Aloha. Welcome to the Big Dream School podcast, where we explore the art, science, and soul of rocking your dreams. I'm your very grateful host, DJ Valerie B. Love. Inhale. Now, doesn't that just feel awesome? All right, let's rock this. What do a pastor, a priestess, and Metallica all have in common? Well, check out this week's episode with my very special guest, Allison Conte, the founder of Sophia Leadership. She's an executive leadership coach, author, and speaker, along with her husband, Reverend J. Todd Smedendorf. He's a pastor at the University Congregational United Church of Christ up in Seattle. And they're going to talk about how they work together to heal the divine masculine and the divine feminine through their powerful practices. So tune in, because this is going to be good, people. Okay. All right. Aloha, love tribe. Let's take a big inhale together. And exhale. So I'm so delighted to introduce everybody to my most beautiful couple, who this is my first couple that I get to share space with and share story and wisdom. And this is Allison and JT, who also happen to be my neighbors. <laughs> Aloha. Welcome to Aloha. the Big Dream School. Aloha. Thanks for having us. <laughs> this is so fun, Love Tribe, because this is our first opportunity to have a pastor and a priestess with us. And the idea about this episode is talking about healing the the rift between the masculine and feminine and talking about, you know, how does the divine feminine and the divine masculine get to play together and not have so much conflict? And how do we embody the beauty of our own divine masculine and feminine within each one of us? And so JT and Allison are rock stars in this department. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk with y'all about your your mission, your wisdom, what's your purpose, what's the, what's the jam that you guys are up to for the next chapter of life. <laughs> Thank Spirit. you. Spirit knows probably more than we do, but we know where it's taken us so far and which direction it's pointing. Which is? Which is this work of sacred union uh, known as hieros gamos in the sort of religious studies world, but it is that coming together of uh, what are often called uh, masculine, feminine archetypes. These deep energies that are part of the world, the universe. Uh, they're polar energies that are part of the wholeness of the thing, but they can sometimes get polarized and certainly have in history and in people's lives. And one of our uh, focus points, most important one emerging right now probably, is how to work uh, harmonizing those, how to heal the polarization so that the gifts of both of those poles can come forward. Does that sound about right? Sound about right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, um, when I asked, I mean, I've been asking my whole life really the question of how can humanity 
thrive and uh, be in harmony with all of creation? That's always been my biggest question. <laughs> and when, uh, when I asked that a few years ago, again, I got a, a new answer. And part of it, um, it came in three parts. The first one is the right relationship with the sacred mm. and the earth, which are not two. They're the same. Yeah. And uh, the right relationship with our creator, with the created. And uh, that even goes to the masculine and feminine, the creator and the created, you know. Um, but the second piece was the right balance of masculine and feminine energies in us, in our culture and society, in our organizations, in our politics, in our structures and systems, in our, you know, in everything, right relationship of masculine and feminine energies. And then the third piece was right use of power. And that actually is sort of blended in there with the masculine and feminine, because often when those two are out of balance, then power is not being used in the right way. Wow. I, I love hearing about the power part because I think of myself as a woman and I know that I possess a certain amount of power as a woman. You know, I have certain sexual power that I've abused in the past, not intentionally, but thinking like, oh, this is my, my little thing that I have going on. And, I, and I've been with men who have abused their physical power and and I don't think we ever go into situations intentionally going, I'm going to go misuse this power of, you know, what I've, I'm strong with. You know, I have a strong feminine power, you know, and some people I've been with had a strong masculine energy. So it's like, how do we, what's the practice that we can do to become aware of these powers so that we are using them in divine alignment for the highest good and not to overpower others with our power or manipulate others with the power. Like what's your guys, how do you guys approach that? Well, that's a big question. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's really the work of a lifetime, Valerie. It's something I've been working on for decades. Uh, I, you know, the first step really of any kind of shadow work, and that's what we're talking about here is how do we, you know, how do we uncover the, the unconscious ways that we've, I think this is what's in your question. How do we uncover the unconscious ways in which we wield power, uh, that is not serving the highest and best good. It's, you know, wielding power for personal gain or for, uh, to make ourselves feel safer or to make ourselves feel bigger or, you know, make ourselves feel okay in the world or something like that. All these ego concerns, um, the first step in that always is awareness. It's just bringing the light of awareness to what is going on. And then, and then I guess I would say having some compassion for ourselves and for others about, you know, where the behaviors are coming from and the source of, uh, most shadowy, if not all shadow, most, I would say that the source of all shadowy behaviors, misuses of power uh, comes down to fear. Totally. That was my big journal thing this morning was all <laughs> fear on letting go today on the, the winter solstice. And it's yeah. like everything was rooted underneath the fear bucket, you yeah. know? Um, can you explain shadow work for people who may not understand what that is? Sure. Um, shadow work is one way to express 
finding um, processes that help reintegrate those parts of ourselves that we've put into unconscious. The basic theory is we come into the world with a full range of potentialities. Maybe it looks like a circle. It's a whole thing. It's all there, the full menu of possibilities for different energies we might express and be. Over time, very quickly actually, in terms of our family system and the cultural system, we learn that in our situation, certain kinds of energies aren't really safe. The system basically tells us, put that away. Like what, for example? Well, it might be, um, I can, personal examples are relevant because I can own that. Um, so in my family, uh, there's a large shadow pattern around expression. So there's a compression of expression. Part of that's my family. Part of that's their participation in another kind of a layer of Midwestern culture. A lot of people in various places, uh, mine would have been Michigan, Midwe Midwesterners, that's right, um, will recognize that kind of behavior. There's a certain accepted way, and so it's not dramatic. The whole thing is to keep it kind of in the center. Don't get too sad. Don't get too happy. Don't be too expressive. Don't really shine brightly or don't really go down those dark places. Kind of take care of it and keep in this range. And that's something that I picked up early on. So one of our core jobs as we come into the world as mammals is to connect with our caregivers. Uh, Theory of Love is a great book I would recommend to anyone wanting to know kind of this uh, psychobiological evolutionary kind of basis for where this connecting comes from. Mammals survive by having that parental connection. The young ones must keep close to mama. They must keep close to the caretakers. And so they learn, well, what does that take to do? In human behavior, often that is a kind of behavior pattern. And for a little baby, a little baby mammal, like a little baby human, exile is death. So it connects with our deepest instinct to live, to get a message, and of course interpreted in a very young brain, but interpreted as that is out of bounds, you keep doing that, you will be exiled. And that can be physical exile. For example, there might even be a threat of physical force in the house that could be dangerous. Or it could be as simple as uh, spiritual exile, like my psyche can't handle that kind of treatment, which is a kind of being exiled out. You won't really be at home where you are. And people then get familiar with that, with family patterns, and when those family patterns come, they often come in a certain shape. Oh, I'll have to carve that out of my circle and put that behind me, put that in the unconscious, that's in shadow. In this case, it would be expression, dramatic expression. Uh, other families, that is how they work. You know, everybody's got to get on board with the big expression. And so that goes into a place we might call shadow. It's not visible, it's not available. Um, and that's the early pattern we develop. It's normal. Everybody has a shadow bag full of stuff. It's normal, some more than others, and some more dramatic than others, but it's a part of the ego developing. It becomes available for modification when we get older. And that's where I circle back to shadow work. It's the process we use to reclaim that material, get it back into our lives and available. And so can I tag on to this and bring it back to the, cause there is actually a masculine and feminine component here to this story. I'm listening. You. <laughs> Sounds good. 
I'm going to talk about you for a second. If that's you okay. are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, you know, when, we were doing our shadow work together as a couple before we got married. This piece came forward as a part of it, this piece of this, the, the, uh, the compression of expression, um, showed up in ways that for me felt like, uh, judgment, almost like the inquisition, you know, where the feminine was repressed, suppressed and, dominated into submission <laughs> in the inquisition. Um, and it was this, there's this way in which he was, um, experiencing some fear of me in my feminine, cause I have such a lot of expression, <laughs> juice and fire, we call it Ooh, juice like and fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and so until he was, so he was attracted to it, kind of outsourcing it to me. Right. And also afraid of it and judging it and like, <laughs> and I, you know, and I felt like, I don't like, I don't know if I can bring this to the relationship. And anyway, we did a, a lot of deep work together. Um, and I would say that that energetic of the inquisition, the judge, the, uh, you know, the one who is judging is that actually is a masculine energetic. And then you have the feminine who's like totally expressive and kind of wild. <laughs> the dynamic feminine. The dynamic feminine. It's not all of the feminine. Inte was into my dynamic feminine energy was in tension with his static masculine energy. And we had to work through that. Like, and the way that we had to work through that was I had to start claiming some more of that um, static masculine for myself. Like, like if I'm going to have all this juice and fire, I can't outsource the containment of it to him. Have to hold it myself in a good, solid, safe container so that he doesn't feel freaked out by it, right? And then when I started to hold that myself, he was more free to invite his own juice and fire to flow. Wow. And how did, this is fascinating. How did this go? Like, just as it, like, I hear conceptually what you did, but how do you develop more of the masculine container? Like, what, what was the practice? What was the mindset? What did you do to to make that happen? And how did it, that question, and then how did it show up? What did it look like? What did your juice, your more contained juice and fire look like? You know, I have, I, I don't actually have a lot of access to like practice. I don't remember that I did practices. I remember that I did shadow work and healing and, and a lot of energy work. And, um, he might be able to tell you more of what I did, <laughs> but I can give, I can give you some, some outcomes. So, okay. You want me to come up with what yeah. she, yeah. so the, the short story that we could tell in this format is essentially begins once again, as we started with awareness. So simply doing, and in this case, shadow work for couples looks kind of like any other couples counseling work. You have to have your a facilitator who's trained in shadow work, if you're taking that path, which we did, uh, who just has that trained ear to listen for patterns and to help name and bring forth. So part of it is the awareness and naming. 
of each person and to be witnessed by the other person, to have some sense. So we did some of our own shadow work to help us get to these places. But I think there's a way in which the compassionate hearing of the other story. Mm. So it's not like the couple's shadow work is separate. It really is couple's work. We're both in the room and working with either, you know, literally in the room with a facilitator or on a video setup, but all three are in this conversation. And the other partner, the listening is just important as the speaking. You're listening to the awareness of the other in such a way that you can have compassion for the other. When people get polarized in a relationship around these things, of course, there isn't compassion. There's only accusation. There's only a presentation of the other's energy as bad, wrong, destructive, whatever. And while there may be destructive consequences to the pattern in its fullest expression, or its really polarized expression, its reactive expression, getting below that surface with the help of a facilitator, a shadow facilitator, helps your partner see why you have it set up that way. Oh, no wonder, and this is what you're afraid of. I, and, and getting that is a beginning, and I think it helps inspire in part the other partner to do their own work, like to follow through and see that, oh, yes, I see why that scares the hell out of you or triggers you, as opposed to saying, you're just out of control, you're just a this or a that, and you fill in the label and it's all polarized. You see the reason why the person had suffered in a way, especially as a child, to create a pattern, albeit distorted as many judgments of children are, to create a pattern that they lived into and got used to. You know, those are the pathways that get set up, the neural pathways the way you are. And for each to really bear witness in a compassionate way to that begins the process, really starts to get momentum going. And so it starts with this kind of witnessing and commitment. Basically, the partner saying to the other, if the words aren't exactly this, it's something like, I see how uh, it's painful for you um, when I haven't really worked out this shadow. I see how this is a problem. You don't have to own the pattern of your partner, but you see how you are involved in the dance that can be painful and scary. And that helps to facilitate and further, you know, in this case for you, it would have been um, more static masculine. We haven't, we can really explain those terms in, in just a little bit, that map, but mm -hmm. there is an energetic exchange for sure. As soon as the other person holds their end of the pole or rather gets more of the energy of the pole that they have neglected, it takes the pressure off the other. And so I actually don't remember, but I do remember some sense of commitment. Like I just began to trust you that you were actually committed to this and it was believable because before the polarization was a fighting for the pole that you have, like, don't attack me. Uh, you, don't judge me. I want to be free judge. to let my case, energy flow. Yeah. I want to be as expressive as I can be. Don't I want to dim be as, my light. Don't dim my light. You know. Uh, yeah. And then somehow it was like magic. <laughs> it's been years ago, so we don't have a lot of details. But I remember we had this these metaphors that were useful. Um, that it was like I occurred for him like a flamethrower. And he was a fire victim. A burn victim. Burn victim. Wow. And so then we really got it. Like that, that brought forth, that drew forth in me so much compassion 
I don't want to burn you with my fire. I just want to, I just want to let it burn. And, you know, it feels good to me. Uh, so I did a lot of work internally to just realize that this fire that I have is actually spiritually pure, spiritually pure. It's a, it's like a holy fire and, and I'm committed to containing it in a way that does, of course, I don't want it to hurt anyone, especially not him, you know? And so I think when I got that, something shifted in my being and he felt more safe and more trusting and, uh, and other people felt that too. There was a big shift in how both men and women relate related to me after that. Wow, that's powerful. I feel that when you were talking about the polarity where we all want to hold on to our thing and don't attack me and let me be and mm-hmm. let I want to I want my freak flag to fly or my yeah. fire mm-hmm. juice, everything, or I need the stability, whatever it is, it definitely causes this this divide among humans. I mean, certainly masculine and feminine, certainly anyone, you know, and it's like how to, how to stay in that compassion and seeing, wow, you are a burn victim and I'm this flame or, you know, or, or, I mean, I, that's, I know it's, that's, that's really powerful. It's so powerful. And I, I remember too, I think this is important for couples to understand. We get attracted to each other often because the, the, the other partner has an aspect of our shadow that we haven't claimed for ourselves. Yes. And so I remember so vividly when we first met, uh, we were at a party and I was looking at him across the room and someone said, Oh, well, he's, he's really cute. What is it about him? You know, that you're, that you like. And I was like, well, he's so contained. <laughs> He's solid and rock so solid. Yeah, I like, actually used that word. Wow. And then later it came to me, oh, that's the energy that I don't have that I need. And I had to own containment for myself in order for me to be more whole and for him to feel safe. I think most couples, since we do partnering in this culture by romantic attraction generally, uh, run into this kind of dynamic because that is, in my mind at least, inherent in romantic attraction. There are certainly things that people hold in common, values or things that make it compatible, but there's a um, a psychology of it. Uh, that kind of energy can, that's the where opposites attract comes in, that kind of thing. There's something this person has that I don't and it's really attractive. And eventually after the really wonderful energy of the falling in love kind of time, uh, that will turn on people, greater or lesser degree, and that's when the work begins. When you realize, oh, um, I remember in her case being so enchanted by my containment as she just shared that story, but then it became, don't and, contain me. Yeah, <laughs> then I was like, I don't want a, that. <laughs> you're a judgmental container. You're coming, you know, <laughs> get off my cloud, as the <laughs> Rolling Stones said. You know, yeah. you're, you're trying to. And that's normal. I mean, that's say that is how it works. That's the physics of the thing. And that is our opportunity. Uh, in this case, we're talking about an intimate relationship, but it could apply to lots of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our opportunity mm-hmm. to go in and learn and be with in another way. And that leads to this greater quality of relationship where we do the, we help each other heal mm-hmm. because we're putting up that mirror and we're disturbing the status quo at that point. 
and some people never get out of it and they just kind of manage it and deal with it and i think their relationships are less fulfilling and they just suffer through it in a way and try to get compensations here or there hope for some nice times here and there but they're not able to get to a deeper level of um intimacy and safety and growth and co-creation uh, co-creation all of that mm -hmm. you know it's just not as satisfying and they just learn to kind of brush it off and i think some people maybe just age and they mellow out and people uh, use that's their compensation like like it's not as bad as it used to be you know that's a way to go but we've decided we'd like something a little more deep and that takes some conscious work more generative more generative so that takes that conscious work and and it never ends. I mean, there are deeper layers. There are certainly bigger, thicker parts of it that are hard to get through. And we had to do this. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made the commitment of marriage. Uh, we knew, somehow both of us knew, we have to do this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we really can't stay together happily. But once it's done, then you're just like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> this is so much better on the other side. So much but, better on the other but side. But you have to go through that swamp or that thick forest or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um, in order to get there both of you really appreciating what the other has that you're trying to get and then you do the work to keep that integration going it's not that i will become what she is but it's i become a more integrated version of what i am mm -hmm. and can i say for you know an outcome for him is it's still happening for him but his sure juice and fire i mean wow it's coming through energetically in mm -hmm. such a powerful way for him now. Um, so yeah. it continues to unfold as we knew we've been doing this for years. It continues to unfold. That's where both people win, and that's the ultimate yeah. we want with any relationship. Both people win. You both take a step toward wholeness. Uh, I'm still the person that generally people relate to as contained or solid or reliable. That's my home strength. But that gets expressed a lot more gracefully and effectively and generatively, you might say, because other aspects have been woven into it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not that I become the most expressive person ever, but it's, wow, I have a so much bigger range of bandwidth in the case of my shadow work. Access and that, to it. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's, that's at the heart of, that's one way to express how do we get to energies coming together and coming into harmony integration you get the best of both poles rather than polarization where there's just an attack kind of energy they're not working together they're just pressing against in a way that's destructive and there isn't a way to come together or find balance and masculine and feminine i do want to say as a footnote it's important to know these aren't attached to men and women they're labels some people might prefer yin and yang or other labels for these energies that have had this kind of association uh, there probably are trends with men and women but it is not the same as gender and it's not the same as being assigned to mm -hmm. um, that's important to know because we don't want people to get stuck in a box around mm -hmm. well you know i'm a woman and i'm very directed and like sure that's entirely possible it happens all the time the mm -hmm. point is is there an, a unity, a coming together of the possibilities for that person? An integration. Integration. Do they have the other side of the equation available energetically in their work, in their relationships, etc.? So it might be helpful here to just 
do a little bit of talking about what we mean by these energies of masculine and feminine. Would that be helpful? I'd love it. Yeah. Um, so we live in a world of opposites, duality. We live in a world of duality. Now, ultimate reality, according to the saints and sages and great philosophers of our time, ultimate re- reality, the ground of being, the source, you know, the creative source of being, the divine source does not, is not duality. It's unitive. But in our world, in this human world that we live in, we have all these opposites and they can be rolled up into these pairs, you know, that I call masculine and feminine. We call them masculine and feminine. It's kind of like the master polarity. You could call it yin and yang. Um, And uh, so some examples, like we were just talking about uh, expression and containment. Yes. That's an example of a polarity uh, a pair that go together that it seems like they're opposite. Sometimes it even seems like they're uh, in opposition to each other. But actually, the definition of polarity means that they are interdependent. And you can't actually have the benefits of one without also having the other one, its pair with it. So I can't, I don't actually get to have the benefits of expression without also having some containment of that expression, right? It's like I could swing my arm all day long and be free to swing my arm all day long until the point where I hit you in the face, <laughs> but there's got to be a boundary there, right? There's a, that's, you know, there's a containment, there's a boundary. That's, that's the masculine exp- side of the freedom of expression, which is more feminine. So we live in this world of duality. We have these polar opposites that we are calling, uh, that have energetically are calling masculine and feminine freedom and, uh, structure expression and containment, um, movement and stillness, you know, um, emotionality and reason. There are all these different opposites, you know, that you can call masculine and feminine. So we're not like JT said, they're not necessarily gendered. We all humans have access to all of these energies. And what we're talking about here is, uh, the growth and maturity, uh, both personally and spiritually leads us to a better integration and a better wholeness a more, you know, more wholeness. Um, and so then we have, uh, we have both been following for many, many years, a Jungian psychologist named, um, Gareth Hill, who took this master polarity, masculine and feminine and, and added another polarity static and dynamic to it. It kind of crossed over. And so that's what we were talking about earlier. We were using these terms, static masculine, dynamic feminine. There's also static feminine and dynamic masculine. And so if you want, we can explain those even more. Um, we work with them a lot and they're the basis of my, my body of work, the women's work that I do called Sophia leadership. These are the four universal energies that are the basis of that, of that, all the work that we do. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear more about the work that you each do individually and how it's starting to fuse into this next chapter together. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, 
I think that's really powerful for people to understand and hear what's on the radar. <laughs> and I know it's, it's, an, it's new. This isn't like you haven't been working together as a unit for 30 years. So this is something right. that's coming because of the work that you guys have done individually and because of the work that you've done as a couple. Yeah. And so I love that you're taking the work and the, the medicine and the results uh, of what you've done together and sharing that and you're moving forward and, and, mm-hmm. you know, learning how that's going to work for y'all. Yeah. The pastor and the priestess. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it started when we met as parallel play and appreciation of the other, because it was done in a way that worked for the other person to respect and appreciate and but it still didn't have a a big bridge across it it was mostly oh yeah well you do your thing and that's great and i see how that can work for you and people you're with and i do my thing and i have my lineage and can you say a little more about how we started like you're in this this very structured very traditional institution uh spiritual institution and that was the path you know the christian tradition yeah, relative relative to these days, for sure. So I grew up a Protestant. I grew up in the United Methodist Church and then eventually came to a denomination called the United Church of Christ, which is part of the Protestant side of Christianity. Christianity has three basic streams. There's Orthodox, which is farther to the East, generally. There's Roman Catholic, which came a lot through Europe. And then out of Roman Catholicism came the Protestant Reformation. So there's Protestants... Roman Catholics and Orthodox. I'm in the Protestant part, but went through all the channels, went to seminary, uh, went through the interviews and the papers and so forth to get ordained in the United Church of Christ. So that's a recognized status and a structure and a denomination of 5,000 churches, 800,000 members, etc. So it has a structure. Some are bigger, some are smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we have at least in my tradition, I laughed when you were saying very structured because it's like, well, it's all relative in the traditions. It's not as structured as some Christian traditions. We have a lot of freedom, but we do have an established lineage and there are buildings and there are organizations and instrumentalities and so forth as opposed to, oh, I'm just a spiritual person and I meet with some folks, you know, for coffee or, you know, yeah, relative to what you're talking about. It's very structured. Yeah. And so, and so for me, um, my, my spirituality has been kind of all over the map, um, over my lifetime, I experimented with so many different forms and, and I realized, um, later in my life that I was searching because the tradition, the lineage that I most resonate with is actually a broken lineage. It's not a structured form on the planet right now. The lineage is that of the sacred feminine. So I have had to piece it together. I have, I have had some remembrance and many, I think many women in today's world are, are, are having this experience, an experience of remembrance of her and of the lineage that we represent. And so it has been much more mystical and esoteric and uh, emergent, you know, my path, much more mystical, esoteric, and emergent than his. And so that's what I think you were talking about, JT, is we were, we were sort of doing parallel play, really appreciating each other's path and really supporting each other's way. And then uh, recently we 
received some very powerful spiritual guidance that, uh, the parallel play has served its time and served its purpose. And now, now it's time to bring these two, these two paths together. I love it. And I, can you share more about the powerful spiritual guidance that you received? (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's a good question. Sometimes you you just have to use that old expression. You had to be there. You had to be there. But, um, (laughs) Yeah, it was a very mystical encounter in a deep uh, liminal state, Mm -hmm. for sure. A deep state of prayer. And uh, in a way, I mean, one aspect of it is that I can share that's important for the how part or how does this work? How do we get more harmony? Um, So there was a way in which just like our personal level relationship of Hey, what's your story and why is this so important that you express yourself? You know, it would have been my leaning into her story. Um, there was a way in which I had an experience of what's so important about the sacred feminine coming forward and being harmonized. And part of that experience was, like it is with people, seeing and experiencing um, having empathy for, having that sort of empathetic experience of the pain of it of seeing how history uh, had laid such a burden on the feminine. You know, it's been for centuries, for centuries and centuries. And so just getting getting to that um, place of feeling and weeping for that, that can't be undone. It's one of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So that's the highlight I would bring from that, which really got my attention at a different level. So there is certainly such a thing as all the study I've done over the years and seeing it and looking at history and looking at religious traditions and spirituality and having a good seminary education that helped me get into postmodern critique. That's all of value to look at systems and say, hey, wait a minute, let's let's not let the system get a free pass. Let's actually look at who wins and who loses and what's the purpose here. Um, being able to see into that is something, but that's not the same as having a felt experience of the actual dynamic effect of it. Um, one is more like an outline with pencil. The other is like 3D. A 3D experience. 3D experience. And what you're where talking about, like, he had a 3D is, experience of the sacred feminine yeah. directly. In a wounded way. And, in a way that I, you know, I have been trying to talk about first years and share and he was understanding it you just like you know there was understanding there was a lot of um empathy and a lot of uh wanting to help and make it better yes you know understanding the first one of the first things he ever said to me on our first date was yes and my tradition has you know the sacred feminine has been underground a lot in the christian tradition and we're trying to find ways to bring her back in all of that true but none of it came even close to that moment when he witnessed her, when he felt her presence and was moved to tears by what she was showing him. You know, it was just, it's very hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah. But you two were together. And we you were. had this experience. Yeah. And, and I think that's so powerful because the embodiment of other quotes, I'm making finger quotes, you know, that's the only way we really get the, re- not the conceptualized version of what compassion is. 
and of what the understanding is of what the other is going through. Yeah. And so there's so many ways to get there and it's, whether it's through a movie, whether it's through a song, whether it's through making love, whether it's through different experiences with different things in the world, it's it's that embodiment of other that is going to shift. You know, we can read the books all day long. We can listen to the things all day long. But so it's like coming with each other. So the work that you guys have done, the the, the shadow work and being together, like that's obviously a layer of how you can get together with each other and do this work. And can, can you help listeners understand how do they go about finding uh, people who can help facilitate and guide this, that they can trust, that they know are trained, you know, in mm-hmm. the, in a way that's going to hold safe space for people. Cause for me, like I've, I'm divorced now and my ex-husband and I, we went through a series of counselors and people and it was just this like, I just felt like I was, we kept going to places where all they did was like cut us open, pour some vinegar in our wounds and then tell us to leave and, you know, and then see you in a week. And it was just like, ah, so it was so awful for, for me as somebody who really wanted to heal this, this divide with my husband. And we couldn't, we just didn't know who to look for, how to find the people that were our people, you know? And so I know that there's people out there to help, you know, get the first layer started for people to heal. And how do you, how do you find that for people? Like, how can people look? Like, what do you recommend? That's a great question. Um, I like my wife speaking emergent. So some of this is still emergent and this is a fairly new, um, a fairly new approach, but first, you know, always trust yourself. Trust what seems like it's actually right and working. So picking a helper um, is a really important choice. And so what other people tell you, you know, you trust their reference. There's all that. Uh, My shadow work training came through a system, shadow work seminars. And so they have a website that can be searched and you can look at people who do something that's not exactly this, but it is a component. Like there is a form of doing shadow work. Um, through them that is one established place of training that I trust and again you know so mine was a lot less struck <laughs> a lot, a lot less, less structured, structured. Right. my training was in uh, more along the lines of um, shamanism and uh, energy work magic <laughs> I've had training in all those you know all those ways we're both still training of course we're still learning and growing and um we're starting to do some we're starting to do some work together we we don't know yet what it's going to look like so it's emerging um and i just want to name too here that it's there there is this uh psycho spiritual work that we're calling shadow work that can be done you know in an intimate couple um, it's also available to be done individually. The integration of masculine and feminine is important for all of us to do individually, whether or not we're coupled. So that's another way. And then there's the the spiritual domain, the sort of the mystical domain of how do we actually embody the divine masculine and the divine feminine in ourselves? And how do we get into communion with them 
in a spiritual way. And that's also, we're also interested in that, you know, at the level of individual and in the, at the level of community. And so we're exploring, uh, we're just exploring all these things, not just about couples work is not just about individual shadow work is, is also includes the spiritual life of a community and, um, and of our world, you know? So, yeah. That's huge. I think of, we keep a lot of the focus lately in the media and on the world is, you know, the Me Too movement and the wounded feminine. And I really grateful and happy to see that coming forth and truth coming forth with the abuse of power. And I also think about the wounded masculine in the communities, which is causing issues in relationships, you know, coupling and families. And so it's not, I really want there to be a lot of shining lights on the masculine and the feminine. And that's why I'm so loving what you two are up to. It's not just women's movement or grow power or what, you know, it's got to be both. You can't leave either one of them at the door, you know? And, and I think I, I really want to shine the light on that for people. It's like, yes, claim your power as a woman if you have put it aside, and but also the compassion for the men and the suffering that they've been dealing with for centuries, you know, and it's a tough one, but it's doable. You know, and I know we have to wrap up soon, but I, I would love to share just since you brought that up, um, a mystical vision that I had some years ago. I was in a lot of pain. Actually, it wasn't even about JT. It was, I was in, I was in some pain in a different relationship in a, a, a friendship. And, uh, I found myself in this, I was just really suffering over it. And so I went out into nature as I often do, uh, for my own spiritual healing. You know, I went out into nature and sat with the rocks and the trees and, and suddenly I was swept up in this vision. It was not just a vision in my mind's eye, but a whole felt experience in my body. And, um, as if it was actually happening, you know, I, went down into the underworld, which is the feminine path, you know, down and in. (laughs) Um, I, I descended down into the underworld. I was so, and what I was in pain about was I was, I was, even though this was a friendship, it was kind of like a spiritual friendship. I was missing my masculine counterpart, my masculine partner. And I was, uh, uh, lonely and sad and complaining and criticizing this partner for not being there, for not showing up. And that's often what the feminine does in shadow, you know, complaining, criticizing. Um, oh, I can relate. Right. <laughs> Compl- I call it the three C's, complaint, criticism, and collapse. Right. Oh yeah. Total. Oh, that is so true. Like that's feminine shadow. Ooh, man. Yeah. There's all, and there's a lot more to it. There's seduction and all the other ways, but those were the things that I was caught in at the, at the time, complaint, criticism and collapse. And I ended up in this underworld place, um, just really suffering. And then I looked around and there was my partner, but dismembered. My partner was also in the under underworld, in the shadow realms, in the, in the suffering place dismembered. And I had to go around picking up the pieces of my partner. I picked all up. I picked all the pieces up, 
gathered them up together and, and then, you know, the partner sort of reconfigured <laughs> and we held hands and found our way out of the underworld together. And it was only because I realized as I was picking up the pieces, I realized that this masculine partner was also in pain, was also suffering from isolationism, from overwork, from alienation, you know, from all of uh, just a lot of suffering of the masculine uh, without the feminine counterpart. And so my compassion is what brought us back together. And we held hands and came back up into the light together. And I, I believe so strongly that this vision what this, this vision was given to me, it's actually, I learned later <laughs> while I was in it, I didn't know what was happening, <laughs> but I learned later that this is actually a version of the, um, uh, some ancient myths. Osiris. Uh, Osiris and Isis. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Isis had to go down into the underworld to get her partner, Osiris. And so I was gifted with this mystical vision um, as a way to show us and the world, what is needed for our healing and for our wholeness. And back to the question that I asked at the beginning of the, of the conversation, what is, what will it take for humanity to thrive in harmony with all of creation? What it will take is for us to find each other in these shadowy places in the underworld, in our suffering and have compassion and for the masculine and feminine in us and in our world to hold hands and find our way back up to the light together. I hear you say compassion in action. It's not just experience the compassion, it's do something with it. Like the action of you going around and, and helping to pick up the pieces and help. It wasn't just to like, okay, I'm observing that. It's like, no, I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to do something about this. And so from both sides of the masculine and feminine, the yin and the yang, it's action. It's a, feeling it, embodying it, and taking mm-hmm. action mm-hmm. With, with that. Wow. So, wow, this is, I could talk to you guys for 10 years. I'm so glad I'm your neighbors because I can. <laughs> but I want my listeners to hear more. Um, wow, this is powerful. So, you know, we do an experiment with the Big Dream School every week, and it's always about doing one simple thing. And it's about, the idea is to do one simple thing to move your life forward, to experiment with transformation, empowerment, love, compassion, action. And so I'm tuning into compassion in action, like something about that with our experiment this week. What resonates for you guys that could be, what would you think that you would advise people, one little simple thing that they could do in their lives to move the needle a little bit forward on creating that sacred union? Mm. Something to raise their awareness about where they are. That's always a first step. So the example we gave was um, sort of expression and freedom on the one side and containment um, structure on the other side. I'm thinking about, uh, Allison, your quick inventory of opposite poles, mm. you know, kind of thing. Which thing... Uh, so being aware of that and then trying to find a simple way to do that would be a great experiment just to begin to, because what you do once you identify that, let's say that were the experiment, well, am I more a structured person or more an open flow person? Let's just propose that. 
the interesting experiment would be to look at the pole that you don't prefer and begin to tell the story of that. What do I think about structured people or having structure? Usually what you get is a distorted sort of shadow version of, well, structured people are rigid and lifeless and whatever. You, know, you fill in the blank. And I don't want to be that. And I don't want to be that. That's usually the way we, uh, one of the great shadow-making phrases that many people can come to, even as we're exploring shadow with them, is, I told myself I would never be like that. That is a giveaway that immediately <laughs> <Go deeper. laughs> you, you already know, well, there we go. I can write that down. There's an area because that is a shadow making prospect. You close the door on something. So I will never be rigid and structured like that. Okay, great. So you, that person has now set themselves up for a kind of chaotic outcome because they're not willing to create a kind of structure that will harness whatever flow they have. Every river has a river bank. Yeah. You know, and the fire that drives my car is inside of a really strong metallic cylinder that is able to harness that energy and drive it somewhere as opposed to having it be a wildfire. Mm -hmm. So something like that would be an experiment I would um, have yeah. people try to try to come to, well, what thing am I really into as an energy? I really like flow or whatever that is. And then whatever they want to do, write it down, doesn't matter. And then set it down and look across the way metaphorically and say, well, what's on the other side of that? And what's my story about that other energy? It's an experiment that's meant for awareness. I you like could, that. You could try doing some behaviors, but um, that's not required. I would just say, just try to, the experiment is, can you make up that story? Can you become conscious of the story you tell yourself about the energy that you don't want to participate in? And as a bonus challenge, you could try making up a story that's positive about it. That would be the next. That would have you wanting to reach for it a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think of me, we always talk about me being super sparkly, like I'm the sparkle fairy, uh -huh. right? Like uh -huh. I have this like, oh, the darkness, the the yeah. inward, the yeah. whole thing. And so it's like, okay, I just, that's what I was thinking of me as one simple thing uh -huh. to create awareness of like, what's my... Why is it so important for me to be so sparkly? Yes. yes. And what am I avoiding with my triple sparkle fairiness? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and not that it's, it's just, yeah, that's a great thing. I love this. This feels, feels a little edgy, but I like, and I like it. That's Good. the point. <laughs> that's often where the growth yeah. happens. And of course, yeah. you know, the ultimate um, framing of this includes a sense that we're not asking people to just be the other thing. It's that, how can that be integrated? So triple sparkle fairy <laughs> gets to stay, uh, but might need a partnership with, you know, darkness Deborah or whatever, you know. <laughs> Don, Dark Debbie. Don, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko kind of thing, you know, that, that, that somehow the, the understanding of this is that when they learn to partner, mm -hmm. uh, generative things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true, what we're seeing at least, that's true. We're not the first to see it. That's true at the cultural level, at, um, you might even say a family level, you know, partnership level, and even an internal intra-psychic, intra-soul level. When those two can, can marry, 
That's the metaphor. Marriage is the old metaphor of that unity really coming together. The yoga of this. Yeah. The yoga yeah. of this. Absolutely. When those come together, then things, beautiful things happen, generative things happen so that, you know, the people may live, as it's been said to me, or in this case, that creation may live, you know. I love it. And that we started out with awareness is the first thing. So this mm-hmm. is our, our action item that we get to to do this week. Thanks, you guys. That's awesome. And okay, we talked about, you know, a song of the week. We always have a song of the week. And I remember when really? we 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 met and did this pre pre interview and I know she said this before and I totally forgot. Well you had a couple songs that you came up with. One of them was a Metallica song for whom the bell tolls, I believe. Oh, that's right. Great memory. <laughs> and then the other one was was it Don Henley? The wedding song? Is that oh, right? my my wedding, my wedding. Don Henley. We okay. actually had that sung at our wedding. We did. So, so I'd love to. We can have two songs of the week too. We can have twenty. Well, because there's two of us. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. We need two <laughs> songs of the week. So, can would you guys like to share a special song? It doesn't have to be those two songs, but if something's coming up that's even more juicy and what is it, juicy and fire, fire and juice, fire, juice and fire, juice and fire, girl. You know, know I'm going to be talking about my juice and fire going forward. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> not good at thinking of music on my feet <laughs> well music itself is a great um expression of the polar coming together because there's enough structure and yet there's this tremendous expression that structure allows yeah, an expression love. so it's a beautiful thing and jazz is part of music that has a little less structure but of course any jazz musician will tell you brother there's plenty of structure mm-hmm but inside of that, I have freedom. So I love, I love even just bringing up the music part. Yeah. And there's music that definitely has a more masculine drive to it. Like, you know, since I'm a metalhead, some Metallica. And there's music that's much more flowy and feminine for sure. Yeah. I'm not even sure what the, what you asked us before that got me to that. I just remember that. I can't remember that either. Song was coming up because mm-hmm. I'm having fun learning to play it on the guitar. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. He's well, a then, metalhead. There you go. So then I let's, let's, and so it's totally for, confess. do you want for whom, it for, for whom the bell tolls? For whom the bell tolls, for sure. All right. Yeah, that's great. And Allison? And, you know, if you are going to use the wedding, so I can't, I can't think of another one. So let's just go. Oh, long time. What about long time son? Um, nah. That was at your wedding too, but that's not it. That was at the wedding. I, I would have to go back and listen to this wedding song again yeah. <laughs> since you brought it up. Well, I remember. I would say that's it's um, one. If you listen to it, we could listen to it through the lens of um, consider that your inner masculine and your inner feminine are going to get married. Mm. Yeah, and you're go you're singing this wedding song for them. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and the beauty of Henley's song here is he's he's reacting to all the excessive uh, whiteness at weddings mm. that he wants he wants Some it to darkness. be that that's not honest. What's <laughs> honest about this kind of commitment between two people is that there's going to be darkness and there's going to be struggle, and you're sort of asking for a kind of painful initiation if this is what you want. Those are my words. So that's what I appreciate about the song that he's essentially saying. I get that everyone's happy today and this is a happy time and it should be an uptime, but this is a big deal Mm -hmm. and this is going to involve some painful pieces and, you know, there's something to be going into the underworld and picking up the pieces, holding hands. Oh, goosebumps. (laughs) Wow. So I love that. So it is a perfect song. Yeah. Yeah. From Henley. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. 
Thanks so much, mm-hmm. you two. This is such a gift. Thanks for the invite. And your voices are great. You need to have your own podcast. <laughs> I'm already like voting, voting yes for the pastor and priestess podcast. All right. And show and all the things. Sign me up. I want to be a part of your world more and deeper. Do you guys have anywhere that we can direct our wonderful audience to find you online? Uh, we don't, you know, we, we will have a pastor and priestess website next year, uh, but that's not up yet. Okay. So, um, probably later in 2019. Yeah. In 2019. Um, for now, probably the best way is through the Sophia leadership website Sophia hyphen leadership. Okay, great. I'll leave everything in the show notes for y'all at djvaleriebelove.com, everybody. So, all right. So how about we take a big inhale and exhale and we'll say aloha. Mm. Is that good? All right. All right, everybody. Let's inhale together. (sighs) All right. Peace, love, and aloha. All right, dream jockeys, head on over to djvaleriebelove.com forward slash 019 union, and you can get your free downloadable dream sheet for this week's awesome experiment that will change your life. That one simple thing, right? That's what we're up to. And also, if you found any value and you liked this podcast, it would mean the world if you could please give us a review over on iTunes. Let us know what you think so we can keep making epic content to help you make your life awesome, rock your big dreams, and of course, rock the SDGs on our planet. Woohoo! All right. So, peace, love, and aloha. Thanks again for listening to this awesome Big Dream School podcast. If you received any benefit and you like it, it would mean the world to me if you could please take a moment to send us a review on iTunes and subscribe. It will help us get this message and these tools out there to all of the big dreamers like you. Thank you again and many, many blessings to you in your day.